around. Welcome to Batting Around. We're a baseball podcast. I'm your co-host, uh, Jane Austen. With me, as always, is Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Lauren from Arizona. That's Lauren. And Steven. You. All right. And we got a guest this week. Our first returning guest, in fact. Back by popular demand, it's Defectors, David Roth. What's up, Roth? Hello. How are you? Doing great. How? how uh, when we talked to you last time, Defector wasn't quite uh, up yet. Uh, yeah. And we're like six months in now, right? How's yeah, it going? Yeah, it's actually going very well. Like, I still feel strange to say that, but like, it's for real viable. <laughs> like, it's definitely going to be here next year. Uh, I get my health insurance through it. So does my wife. Like, it's it's better than I could have expected it to be. That's um, as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> so, yeah, it's been neat. Um, I got a couple of free t-shirts out of it. And uh, yeah, I, it's funny to think that it hadn't started yet was it like announced but not up yet when we talk or was it still like i think we were like a couple days before yeah like it was just like we were right pretty close before yeah yeah it was uh it was strange like i had the feeling at the time when we were like when we announced it it seemed like enough people were interested then that i was like at least like i know what i'll be doing for the next 12 months which is basically like as good (laughs) as i've ever had it since i started getting staff jobs (laughs) But like, yeah, I think this could be uh, this could be a, at least a twenty-four month hitch. It's that good. Nice. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't argue with free T-shirts. Yeah, they're pretty solid too. Very soft fabric. Not to push it too hard. But... You know what? I uh, when I was when I was getting dressed today, and I was you know grabbing a T-shirt out of the dryer. I have just too many black T-shirts, and I the first one I grabbed was my Defector shirt, but I figured I can't do that. It's like wearing the <laughs> yeah. T-shirt of the band to the concert, you know? Yeah, I've had that. There's like a couple of times that we've done the like like a the um, little like quiz. I'm not I'm trying not to say Jeopardy, the thing that we do on Friday for on <laughs> Twitch, and like enough people will be wearing the same Defector hoodie that it looks like we're like henchmen in like an 80s James Bond movie, like a very inexpensive sort of costume that everyone wears as we just sort of like bustle about ineffectually. Mm-hmm. Or it's and, like a Heaven's Gate thing. Yeah, yeah I was right. going to say, you need like a three-quarter zip fleece for the real cult. Yeah, we're all got like the same puffy Avia sneakers on. Everybody's just trying not to comment on it. Like, oh, you guys look good. You look very comfortable. There's Dixie cups everywhere. Yep. <laughs> all right, Roth, well, while you're here, um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. Um, why are the Mets so fucking weird and you can this can be as big or as small of a question as you want uh i've been giving this some thought jane and i don't know that i (laughs) i thought i knew the answer like a year ago and i would have told you that it was the ownership and then that like the ownership sort of like trickled down just in the sense that like the wilpons were like a very unique local type of shitty rich person like every you know, like Lauren would know, like Ken Kendrick is like that's the terroir yeah. of like Arizona uh. shitty rich guys, right? <laughs> We're like he's like very lazy and like always has a sunburn, but also is like mad about everything all the time. And like the Wilpons are this kind of like you know Brooklyn Queens, then moves to Long Island. Like uh, like Felix used to joke about this about how like all the richest people in New York like like bought a parking garage in 1971 for $10,000 and now it's worth like $350 million and they like are but like they didn't get anything right they just like bought a empty piece of land on like 23rd street back when half the city was on fire the Wilpons like made the money in real estate with no great distinction and then like fucking one red paper clip their way into owning one of the 30 <laughs> major league baseball franchises <laughs> And they sucked at it, and they were really, like, it was a terrible place to work. Like, it was very, uh, like, very sexist, very backwards, very, like, anti-player. And, like, and the team sucked as a result. But then, like, they sold the team. And so I had this idea that it was, like, and this is where I, you know, would have been wrong, I think, that it was, like, breaking this, like, vampire's curse, you know, and that, like, it wouldn't (laughs) be as much of a problem, and they would just become normal. And uh, it turns out that, like, two decades of just embedding all the fucking buttheads that, like, the, whatever, that Jeff Wilpon, like, met through the boat club in Long Island or whatever, like, all those guys are still there. And so, culturally, there's still all of this sort of bullshit to weed out, up to and including Sandy Alderson, who's still, you know, running the team's day-to-day. So, there's, like, the team is better, like, the, you know, the sort of approach to team building is like less Jurassic than it was. Like they did some like normal team or like smart, normal team things this off season. Like they actually have some minor league depth, which they've never had in the past. Like there's no, not just because he retired, but like there were times in the last two years where 
there were times last year where they were legit like one injury away from Tim Tebow being on the team. And, like, and, it, was, like, and it wasn't like a crucial injury. It would be like whatever if like Jake Marisnik like had like a, you know, whatever, like if he sprained his like, you know, toe or something like that. Tim then, Tebow would have to become a wet guy. Yeah. The next uh, thing you know, if he's going to get called up to replace Marisnik, though. Right. Shows up in like a just a Melito Perez wig, like taking shirt, <laughs> shirtless warm ups in the outfield and stuff. It's like it could have happened. You know, and in this instance, like, I think the, like, there's actual guys in the minors that you could call up and, like, Malik Smith is, like, I'm not pumped for him to make his Mets debut, but, like, it's way less embarrassing than the, like, underwear models and, like, 36-year-old, like, quad A guys that they had last year. Um, With all due respect to Ryan Cordell, who's a very handsome man and looks like he should be a good baseball player, but just... (laughs) Doesn't work out. Uh, No, but the, like, the general, like, issues that they've had this year in terms of like guys getting hurt and then like not going on the injured list and then like playing a little bit and then getting hurt again. Like that's a classic Mets thing that I always blamed on the Wilpons because like Jeff was famous for that. Like that he, there's like a story and like, like he like put his finger in like Pedro Martinez's chest and was like, you're fucking pitching because it's Sunday night baseball and I'm your boss. And like, I don't think that Jeff Wilpon should be allowed to like, talk directly to pedro martinez like maybe he could like text one of pedro's assistants and they'd be like some guy texted you and pedro would be like i'm not interested and that's like as close as they should get to being able to interact like tebow mm-hmm. should be like the only person he could have been yeah allowed to talk right to. to be like that's like and you're gonna take this dry fit workout garment and you're gonna put it on <laughs> and you're gonna do crunches while the fans watch and that's because that's i'm your boss like that's fine but in this instance it was like the all the stuff that they've been doing, like, in terms of, like, monkeying around with, like, DeGrom, like, you know, we skip him or, you know, like, it, keeping, like, Brandon Nimmo on the bench when he, like, couldn't physically do anything because they're like, well, you don't know, like, tomorrow maybe he's, like, better. All of that is, like, the way that they were six years ago, eight years ago. And it's I guess it's just a matter of, like, they need to really fully churn out, like, like not just, like, Sandy, but, like, everybody that like came up in the system and is still there like organizationally like executives and stuff that still sort of think like that because they're like they're better than they were like they're also annoying in the ways that they were but they're like they're still weird in the ways that i'd hope that they would have stopped being weird Mm -hmm. yeah like they're still wasting degrom starts like that's not going yeah and i think i saw this morning that they were not putting him on the il but we're going to give him a couple days off did that like give you like a flashback like stare into the distance vietnam that kind of yeah like definitely on some like thoracic outlet syndrome i haven't heard that in a long time you know there's a (laughs) lot of like real uh stuff to worry about they did finally ilm today oh okay yeah they yeah but it was was a hundred percent like up in the air until then and like they had with nimmo that was the weirdest one because they he was badly hurt like and it was like hurt in a way where like you let him rest for 10 days and he's probably fine like it was like a strained muscle but they kept him on the bench, and they were like, well, he could play defense, like, he could pinch run, which is, like, true of anybody. <laughs> like, you could just call someone up that could do it, like, a guy that's even, like, on your 40, man. Like, Malik Smith is hurt, but, like, some Malik Smith-grade dude. And they just didn't right. do it. Just grab anyone from AAA. Yeah. Like, literally anyone. Right, because all you're asking them to do is, like, replace Kevin Pillar in, like, a double switch scenario <laughs> or run the bases if, like, a pitcher gets on. So, wait. And- why? Why don't that's they? the question? Well, Nimmo's the I've glue. Never, yeah, I've never really fully understood. Yeah, the, with Nimmo, yeah, you need his attitude in the dugout where he's like, uh, "I'm not sure about this vaccine." And everybody's like, "Thanks, man." <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a he's a goofus. I I don't understand what it is like. Why you wouldn't put like JD Davis? Like why they waited so long? Because they do eventually do it, but then they don't backdate. So they wind mm-hmm. up like the ten day uh, IL plays like a fifteen day IL and. In that case, it's like with Nimmo, the way that they, they botched that whole thing. So he didn't play for like four days. Then they put him in as a defensive replacement for like one inning. And then they couldn't backdate it anymore. And then they waited two more days and then they put him <laughs> on. In the broad scheme of things, it doesn't really matter because there's still so many, you know, off days and like whatever. They're just going to be playing like the Orioles all the rest of this week. Like it's I'm too upset about this for it being like a single digit day in May right now. Like it's not <laughs> right. it's not worth it. But it's like the principle of it is kind of just like just respect your players a little bit and like use your team in a way that makes sense 
and it's still like very difficult for them. I think to just like accept that like all of the forty man spots like mean something. For instance, like things that normal <laughs> teams long ago sort of came to grips with. Like it's just not a priority there. So, so what about? the other ways that they're just really fucking weird. Yeah, this is uh, the like other, I've making up time. like Pete Alonso making up a, a hitting coach, uh getting into fights, not fights in the in the tunnel over like, what what the vermin. fuck is going on with them? Did I miss the Pete Alonso hitting coach thing? Yeah, Donnie uh, Stevenson. Yeah, he yeah, like Pete Alonso in a post-game like interview just completely made up some hitting coach. Like, it was just like, and he's like, oh, yeah, this guy, uh, they're like, what's his name? Like, uh, Donnie uh, Stevenson. <laughs> and they're like, well, what does he do? And he's like, oh, he just gets us right. Yeah, he's an you approach know? coach. So <laughs> half the team gave, like, quotes about it where they were, like, Alonso's were so, I actually have them in front of me because I've been, like, trying to write about this for 48 hours. Here's what, uh, how Pete Alonso explained uh, Donnie Stevenson, who it was revealed today by Ken Rosenthal was, like, in at the time, like, I remember when the story came out, I have this in my draft where I was like, it's Pete Alonso in like a wig or a bandana or like a wig and a bandana, but it was like very obviously fake. So uh, here's Alonso on Donnie Stevenson. He's nice. Donnie's been great helping the team. I think Luis Rojas forgot to mention Donnie. Donnie really helped us today. He's a hitting approach guy. He's a guy that gets the boys fired up and ready to go. Uh, and he, yeah, what it's it, like Maggie Siff and Billions, you know, yeah, he just gets right. their their attitude right. Yep. And in this case, what that was was basically like Alonzo putting on a hat and like talking in a Ric Flair voice for a minute. I mean, they're baseball <laughs> players. It's going to be dumb, you know, but the that stuff to me is like as much as I like the when I think of them being weird, I think of the ways in which they annoy me by not being uh, like by not being able to act like a real baseball team. The weirdness in terms of like the team getting in a fight and then like instantly starting to play better and making up a weird story about it. Or like with Donnie Stevenson, it's like after the hitting coach is abruptly fired along with his assistant with like no warning, like then just like one guy just <laughs> takes his shirt off and starts like speaking an occasion accent or something like that to get everybody <laughs> fired up. Like as dumb as that is, like I actually find that to be very likable. Like that's always been like Absolutely. the, the push pull for me with the Mets is that like, especially when the Wilpons were there. Like, the organization itself is just fucking vile, right? But they've had very likable players and very likable teams. And so, I mean, obviously... This they isn't... signed the most likable guy in the league. Yeah. yeah. You and, know? Uh... <laughs> and this has been what's weird about the way the press has handled that, too, is that, like... So Lindor got off this awful start, and the media was, like, talking about it like he was... Like Keith Olbermann, who I don't even know that he counts as, like... I don't know what his fucking role is at this point. Like, where he's, he's just a Twitter troll at this point. Yeah, he has no other input in baseball other than just being like a bitchy guy on Twitter. Right. He tried yeah. to go from sports to like politics, and uh, we're not taking him back. No, I mean, it's, like it's, nobody's taking him back. Yeah, like you can't like redo the photo shoot where you're like cowering under an American flag. Like you can't do that with like the Cubs flag with the W on it. Like, it's not the same, you know? It's not going to sell. We've talked on the show about how Chuck Knobloch is a hero for hitting Keith Olbermann's mom in the head with a an errant ball. Somebody had to before. do it. I mean, it's like... Yeah, just somebody a, had to do it. You're touchable. <laughs> so Olbermann compared Lindor to, like, Roberto Alomar and Carlos Baerga as, like, doomed Mets uh, middle infield <laughs> acquisitions. And, like... Alomar was 34. Baerga was, like, 35 when they got him. Like, Lindor is 27. He's, like, very yeah. obviously one of the 10 best players in baseball. I mean, like, and for whatever reason, because of that early start, and I think because of the, the fact that, like, the New York sort of Mets tabloid media, like, like, they only really know how to tell one story about it, which is that, like, all of these guys are Bobby Bonilla or Jason Bay, and, like, as mm -hmm. soon as they get here, they're fucking miserable and they can't play anymore. And that's clearly not the case with Lindor. Like he just—he's a streaky hitter who had a very badly timed. You know, I watched cold him streak. in the AL Central for you know for years, and yeah, he had he'd have slow months. Like, yeah. at, the, at the beginning, all the time. That's what that that's the that's what Cleveland just did basically, and he was no exception to that. Yeah, like the whole team was just like a long rope dope enterprise. Like right up to actually like trading him, I feel like is them still trying to yeah. see like, can we win like ninety one games? Without, like, trying too exactly. hard or paying anyone, like, a, you know, post-arbitration salary. And so, anyway, like, the media was very mad at him for the rat-raccoon bit with McNeil. <laughs> Not because there was, like, a fight between two players, because it's commonly understood that, like, 
McNeil is a red ass. Like Lindor is frustrated. Like it's just how baseball is. Like that's mm-hmm. like I don't get in fights at my workplace, but like also I haven't seen uh, anybody that isn't my wife for like six months. So who's to say right. what I would do if you you know if you put me around Barry and passions were high? <laughs> but you're talking I mean, about burgers or something, yeah, right. and then you're just like fighting each other. <laughs> Big argument about that. Yeah, that was the way every one of those uh, those stupid posts that would run at Deadspin about like what's your best breakfast cereal? Uh, and that all of those things, physical violence, just chairs yeah. flying. We're taking to Planet <laughs> Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> Getting kicked out for trying to use like an animatronic from Terminator 2 to beat Luis about the head and shoulders because of his sushi takes. Yeah. The, um, You're making a makeshift litter out of a bunch of uh, like two tone leather jackets. <laughs> so we'll be <laughs> But yeah, the uh, like so the thing that the the press was mad about with that, and to less so with Donnie Stevenson, but also a little bit, is that like this is a joke for the players, right? Like it's like an in joke for them, and it's also sort of trolling the media a little bit, like where you where everybody gets the story straight that it's like they were fighting over whether it was a possum or not, and like everyone knows that's fake, which is why it's funny, but like if you're um, if you're like the fucking beat guy for Newsday and you're like, well, I don't appreciate being lied to. Like, they're not lying to you about like social security fraud. Like they're lying to you about something that's like they made up something even dumber than the dumb thing that obviously happened. Right. And they're a team. What do you yeah. expect them to yeah. do? Do you expect them to just like air out every little like grievance? Uh, and that's to been... you? They have to like play together for another 120 games or whatever. Right. Like... So that's that's totally right. And it's been that's been the weird sort of breakdown in the way that it's been talked about is that even on the team's own uh, network, like the Todd Zeal, who's like a post game guy, there was like, obviously, you know what happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse, blah blah blah. But this isn't how you do it. Like so, it's like I, I don't know how you win with that. Like because if you if you say what it is and you act real serious and contrite about it, then you're airing your dirty laundry. And if you make clear that it's not that serious and that it's like a funny thing that everybody's comfortable laughing at, then somehow like people feel insulted. I just don't There's get never any winning with New York media. No New York sports media though. There really that's, isn't. So that's the thing I've been trying to like get across in this post is not like, you know, tough media town, whatever, because who fucking cares? Like whatever. Yeah. Most people don't live in New York and like I justifiably are annoyed by everybody that does. But in this instance, it's like the Wilpons lied to their faces. Like these guys just like took that shit down and ran it as like anonymous quotes, burying guys, you know, like after they cut Justin Turner where they're like, well, he's got a drinking problem, whatever. All that stupid shit. They didn't have a hard time putting that out there. And then like the second that like a player sort of goofily avails himself of the like lightest and least important possible version of that, everybody flips their shit. Like I just don't, like, the power dynamic there seems very obviously to play a role in it. I just don't understand, like, if you're not one of the crustaceans that's, like, looking to rewrite a Bobby Bonilla story from 20 years ago, then, like, I don't see the percentage in, in getting upset about it. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's... That's, no, that's that's perfect. I think that's it's exactly that's what we everything want. Yeah. that needs to be said. And in terms of on-field play, I don't think you're that super concerned about them. Like, you're not actually worried about the slumps. And, and the NL East is still wide open. Like, on the performance yeah. level, I think you're you're probably justifiable to say that they have as good a shot as anybody still. Yeah. The only team with a positive run differential in the NL East right now, as we speak, are the Marlins, and they're in fourth place. That's been the case for, like, yeah. weeks. For weeks. Yeah. Huh? For weeks now. I don't, did they and, win a game like 16 to nothing or something? Like, cause it doesn't make sense otherwise. Like they're fine. Like they're better than, I think they're like probably better than the Phillies and the Nats weirdly, but I don't understand how uh, they wound up with like a positive 20 run differential. I think you just have a lot of guys with a 104 WRC plus and no one with a 70 WRC plus and it kind of balances yeah. out in a fun way. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I mean, this. Like, that's always been, especially, like, that division now is, like, so... They've lost a lot of close games Mm -hmm. and won a lot of blowouts. That's it. Yeah. Makes some sense. And they're about to get three games beating up the Diamondbacks, uh, which just the Mets got to take advantage of also. They were... That's a really weird uh, lineup, Lauren. Yeah. You're still riding with them, even though you are no longer uh, a captive of Arizona? I have to keep up with them because my grandma's a big fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I keep kind of an eye on them. Uh, you know, West Coast games are also kind of late when I'm out here. But uh, yeah, it's not great um, when uh, you're really relying on Nick Ahmed to be a league average batter. You've probably got problems. Yeah, 
it's strange though. Like they, I can see how that lineup would be annoying to face. Like they were annoying to face for the Mets. It's just like, yeah, it's all these like classic D back, like like the most annoying seven and eight hitters in baseball. But that's like one through eight in the lineup is those guys. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're kind of relying on Cattell Marte to do what he did uh, two years ago now, and that's not happening. And then for David uh, uh, David Peralta to be better than a 34 year old kind of journeyman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That said, I think that like the I don't know, like I I didn't get the sense like you see teams that are like flat on their back, like dead in the water. Like the D backs didn't quite seem like that to me. Like it's not like the Pirates or like they're you know, teams where they're just very obviously not trying. Like the Diamondbacks, I can't quite tell what they're doing, but it seems like they're about halfway through it. That's been which the is case. At least something. Yeah. That's kinda of what people here don't really they they've been putting off that uh decision to rebuild for a couple of years now. Because they they keep signing guys to like three or four year extensions that, uh, uh, and then they don't they don't really ever perform above league average again. Um, but they have like really like good Madison pitching. Madison Bumgarner, just, yeah, yeah, like Madison just, Bumgarner forcing his way on the team basically by yeah, like he, offering them a like a smaller contract than any than he would have like gotten anywhere else. Yeah, so he can be closer to his horses. Yeah, right. It's working out now though. He's got like a one point five ERA over the last five starts or something, including yeah, like that like no hitter. Yeah, he looked like himself. Like yeah. he, uh, I just yeah. I guess is that I was gonna ask like what he's doing there because it seemed like he definitely wanted to be there, but it was kind of like you just really like you're tired of playing in all those competitive September games with the Giants and you need a team that's like more of a low stress experience. <laughs> I think at this point he's totally checked out of baseball it, 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 uh, and is really focused on the the rodeo stuff. Yeah, yeah. there's a picture of him that I want to see if I can find it and share it. Do you know the picture where he looks like Scott Stapp? Where he's wearing like a vest and a hat at the same time? No, I can see it though, like in my mind's eye. Yeah. It's clear as day. And it is how everybody in Phoenix dresses outside like Central Phoenix. Yeah. He really? fits right in. Right. Yeah, he has that, some turquoise on. Yeah. That, that's, no, a very, he uh, was... that's a very surprise Arizona look. Yeah. If he was wearing like a like some sort of Coco Pelli adornment, that would be nice, but he was not. <laughs> I gotta be I gotta be fully honest with you. My my dad who's from here wrote a book about Coco Pelli, so Really? That rule. No, I mean, that's very yeah. Yeah. it's fantastic. If he's a you know, a native and he's not coming in and appropriating it like uh, Madison Bumgarner. I can't uh, I need the I'm searching because I remember the phrase was I think Jeremy Gordon uh, tweeted it that was the words were outrageously bad Madison Bumgarner fit. <laughs> And I just did a Twitter <laughs> search for those words, and it was That's all people That's a phrase being, that sticks with you. Yeah, but, like, all the results I got were, like, is he a good fit in Arizona? I don't know. Madison Bumgarner, my column. Yeah, all right, so thank you. I'll, I'll find that. That'll be the episode art. Yep. <laughs> he seems to be now finally, though. I think he's finally adjusted to the lower velocity on the fastball, and it's making a big difference. And also he benefits from playing in the best run environment for pitchers of all time, apparently. That certainly seems to be helping. They've got, it seems uh. like a bunch of guys on the team that like could be useful. Like it's not, like, so whatever, that's, it's something, but. Yeah, that's and Chico Castro is always fun. Everybody likes him. Yeah. It's just the the best, like the best, in, uh, you know, defensive environment ever, uh, you know, in Arizona in the year that is the worst offensive environment overall. Yeah. So this is something that, I mean, like I couldn't tell, especially given that like so many of the Mets I mean, the, the team I watched the most and so many of their best players got off to a really lousy start this year. But, like, the ball is definitely dead. Like, it's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. Dom Smith looking lost. Like, everything is dying short of the warning track. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's affecting everybody. It's affecting the Dodgers. It's affecting, like, all these teams that with, with the superstars should be hitting aren't. I have some statistics. It's from uh, Jason Stark article in the Atlantic. Uh, this is from the fifth, so it's a couple days out of date, so the numbers aren't going to be exact. But uh, lead wide average right now, 232, lowest of all time. OBP 309, lowest since 1968. Uh, slugging 389, lowest since 2014. Kind of oh in God. that in that peak of like where Kershaw is like dominating every single game and no one can hit for shit. Um, it's also lowest hits per game of all time at 7.63. Um, Jesus. And even doubles are down hugely. Uh, like from we're projected for uh, barely over 7,000 doubles. Uh, 2019 saw 8,500. Used to be we were seeing 9,000, 10,000 a year. Uh, it's really everything that in the in the attempt to get rid of like ten percent fewer home runs, they seem to have just totally killed offense entirely. And they they haven't done anything to like you know anything to the ball to lower the amount of strikeouts. <laughs> you know they no. they deaden that, but they don't do anything to the pitchers. Well, it's better breaking than better than ever. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's breaking better than ever too. It's yeah. This is this is just a fucking mess. 
Yeah, that definitely like the proliferation of like no no hitters at the beginning of the year. Like you'd think that with all due respect to Wade Miley, who's had a (laughs) terrific career and like that I thought was over for sure five years ago. But like when Wade Miley is just twirling a gem like that, like everybody that's like emergency meeting at the come on now. Yeah, I thought it was bad when like the Orioles got one. Yeah. Yeah. Cleveland's been no hit twice, which is very funny. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fine. We're no, not gonna I love that. that. That's okay. That is great. Yeah. Like we've been yeah, playing for 5 weeks. So basically they're just like getting no hit on average like I don't know, like every 15 days. What? No, that's one a week with Madison <laughs> Bumgarner's included. Yeah. Wait, yeah, did he is... Oh yeah, that's right. The 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 double header where they didn't hit the entire time. Was... Yeah, one hit across 14 also, innings. Also yeah. that. One hit across 14 innings, great. Ugh. It's funny because, like, I don't – I like watching a dominant pitching performance. Like, at this point, like, I think – I don't – it was not always like this. Like, I was, like, a big tater boy as a as a young man, you know, and I've, like, grown uh, as a person into someone that now likes watching, like, really big, like, sliders or, like, whatever high fastballs that people can't hit. Like, uh, basically, like, whatever, those, like, pitching ninja overlays. Like, if it's, like, a good night, like, I'll dream a couple of those. And I'll wake up and be like, I saw, like, a cool Arthur Rhodes one that didn't really exist. That's, like, the best (laughs) thing that my unconscious can show me. I love seeing someone swing, like, way out in front of a changeup. That's, like, my favorite thing in the world. It rules the most. And yet, I think that maybe, like, you need to, like, all things have to be in balance there. That, like, just that plus, like, the softest possible contact... That was the thing that was hardest to watch about, not to bring it back to the Mets too much, but about Lindor during that streak where he wasn't hitting. It was like he wasn't taking terrible at-bats. Like Dom Smith during a similarly bad slump was taking awful at-bats, like swinging at pitches way out of the zone and just like being really tentative or really over-aggressive and just sort of you could see that he was like not identifying spin, like not sticking with an approach that made sense. Lindor would take fantastic at-bats. And foul a bunch of pitches off and then like finally put a decent swing on something and it would just be like one to three, you know, yep. like just mm-hmm. and, it, you know, a couple times a game even it seemed like. And it's not like it's not like those things would like otherwise be rockets if they didn't mess with the ball. But it's like if you watch a game and your team hits the ball hard three or four times, like you're not having fun watching that game no matter what your pitcher is doing. No, no. I, I had to actually very glum experience. It was a great experience with my first time back in the game. I went to the Nationals versus Braves. And uh, there was, I think there were like three or four hits outside of the uh, pitcher grand slam. Uh, like, oh, oh, you were yeah. at that one. <laughs> yeah. I, com- seconds after I complained about how dumb it is to have the pitcher up with the bases loaded. Um, but otherwise, yeah, the run environment <laughs> That's the is one like, thing more powerful than the ball being dejuiced is like the universe owning you anytime you like <laughs> make it a, a yeah. completely certain statement about something. For, for daring to complain about the universal DH in an NL park, I just got crushed by Huascar, you know, yeah, or, or Haskar. Yeah. I, I can't, yeah, cut that. Huascar? Yeah. The, it's pronounced like NASCAR uh, with the WH sound, I think I saw. There was that game on uh, Saturday night. I wound up writing about it just because I was blogging on Sunday. It's just my turn to do it. That uh, Dodgers Angels game that was like started with the Dodgers having a like thirteen to nothing lead, and then they wound up winning fourteen <laughs> yeah. eleven. That game was the most twenty twenty one. There was one home run in that game. There were three doubles, and there were like twenty five singles. Jesus Christ! Wow. Yeah, like there weren't even a lot of walks or strikeouts. It was just like. It was, you know, like this scene where like Homer goes to hell and they're like, you like donuts. Here's all the donuts in the world. <laughs> you like, like balls is- and play, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that game's like the Spider's George for the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. It was not an un like enjoyable game to watch. Like I watched the last, you know, back half of it. I, of course, like my, the blog that I wound up doing was about like Mookie Betts getting tagged in the balls because it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I saw that. Oh, that get, was wonderful. You gotta you gotta give the people what they want, but it was <laughs> also like, and the people want the, nut shots. They do. They yeah. need it. And that was an especially like operatic one too. And the fact that he wasn't really mm-hmm. badly hurt, just um, he was smiling when he got up. Yeah. Like, know. but it was a very. He also put himself in a position that, like, I've never seen anyone in a baseball game be in, where he was, like, basically straddling the ball and doing the, like, howdy, I'm the sheriff of sucking you off posture going into third base. (laughs) (laughs) And then he just got rocked with a tag. Like, there was nowhere else to tag him. Like, he had just basically made it (laughs) such that that was the only thing that could happen. 
That was otherwise a weird series in general, too. Like, that was the one with uh, Corey Seager getting thrown out at second the game after, I think. And, yeah, Max Muncy continuing to never swing at pitches and get on base at, like, a 400 clip. Yeah, the Dodgers have been, like, the worst team in baseball the last two weeks somehow. It's been really grim. Yeah, it's been really weird. They're they're not hitting. Cordy Bellinger's up for the season. The pitching's not great. Did whatever was happening to the Yankees just transfer over to them? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's strange. In both of those instances, it's the same type of being bad, where it's like all of, it's not like, you know, in obviously Bellinger being hurt is bad, but that like the rest of it is like your good players are bad now. Also, you lose in excruciating fashion involving like one mental error per game. And then I guess like the, the whatever, like cherry on top of it, at least for like the Yankee fans that are my friends and stuff is like, they can't complain about it. Because everybody's like, oh, are you, are you upset about Aaron Judge? Like, <laughs> do you want a, want a shoulder to cry on about fucking Giancarlo Stanton being unlucky? I mean, this, this podcast is, an hour is on record season. doing exactly that, like multiple episodes. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of teams where like they'll have like a five-game losing streak, and statistically it'll turn out that it's the first time since like 1994. It's like, fuck off. Right, right. Which is... Yeah. Like, it's not to say that it's not unfun to watch that team. I'm sure that it sucks to watch them lose and stuff like that. But, like, when the last time the team was this bad, like, Ruben Sierra played a major role in it. Like, you don't, <laughs> like, I can't feel that bad for you. All right. Uh, let's get into mailbag questions. All right. Our first one is not exactly a question, but it's addressing a mailbag question from last week. Um, at Whitey83 says, I can't think of a good question, but you are more there than welcome to offer a former formal apology for suggesting I am Kurt Schilling's alt during the previous show, uh, to which I have to say, you took the name Whitey underscore 83. Um, that is entirely on you if people mix you up with Kurt Schilling. I think that that's a, it's, a, it's harsh. It's a little yeah. bit unfair. Like, obviously, we all, we all know uh, Whitey 83. <laughs> <laughs> we know also that Kurt Schilling's alt is, uh, I think, Maris underscore 1488. No, no, that's his his main. Oh, Gary. yeah, no. and then the other one is uh, his alt is uh, like WPWW underscore fourteen eighty eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were. I was uh, so last week we had um, Jason Schreier on uh, the Defector Pod, the Distraction Podcast, and he yeah. was talking about he. I guess in his new book he writes a little bit about Schilling's gaming company. Yeah, I was listening to that. Yeah. And he said that he couldn't actually get Kurt Schilling to, to talk to him. Yeah, and I, it, it's, this is the difference between me and Jason Schreier, too, is that Jason Schreier is, like, an actual journalist who, like, is willing to inconvenience himself and talk to, like, weird people for a story that he, you know, needs to do. Like, he kept being like, so I kept calling him, and he kept putting it off, and, like, all I could do in my head, I was like, this is it. This is your chance. You don't have to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but he, uh, he just he kept pushing until it became. I clear would not that... want to talk to Kurt Schilling under like almost any circumstances. And it was all like it was like, why don't you just come to my rural home? Like, it's, what's so no? Weird? Yeah, no. like that's, horror, that's, that's a that, horror dude. movie. Yeah, like I know how many bayonets you have in there. Like every story that's been written about you in like your entire <laughs> career is like his collection of antique firearms is unsettling. But is Kurt Schilling being treated badly by the media? You know, like, I'm not going to go to your fucking ranch. But, well, whatever. That's the difference. <laughs> no, the best case scenario there is your, like, incidentals of, like, to some tax evasion. That's, like, the best possible outcome. Right. Yeah. Worst, worst scenario, you get a fucking Hitler Jungian knife in your heart. Yeah, so, which like... is honestly a pretty metal way to go. You're like, oh, no, the second best <laughs> starter on the world champion Diamondbacks. <laughs> you get you get tied up and the uh the the bloody sock gets jammed in your mouth as a gag and you like and you can distinctly taste the ketchup. <laughs> you get like some sort of version of the manhunter thing where he's like showing you gifts of him fooling guys. It's like <laughs> David DeJesus after his changing, do you see? <laughs> All right. Next question, uh JF Kuan. Who's, who complained about their questions not getting on for the last couple weeks. Uh, but they say, uh, a baseball game is like a sentence, a linear sequence. Like a paragraph, it proceeds sequentially. But to enjoy it, you have to be able to read it. Baseball requires baseball literacy. Piffle or not piffle? Fuck off, Jeremy. I, we're doing a George Will here thing. Yeah, so here's or what George I'll say. Thing here. This is, as with, um, as somebody who never in public, but, like, in my work slack, like, enjoys writing in a Glenn Greenwald style Like, <laughs> you have to be careful when you're writing stuff like that. Like, so I think that that is actually better written and m- makes more sense than most of the writing that's like that that I've read. 
Like that's like actually better than George Will, which is like to me makes Jeremy me... gives us like one of these a week and they're usually good, but I always have to kind of just be like, fuck you, Jeremy. You <laughs> yeah, but like you ask to... all the time. <laughs> so my advice to Jeremy is to pump the brakes on that because the more you write like that, the harder it becomes to not write like that. Yeah. That like the more I write like a glem sentence where I'm like, it is like disappointing <laughs> but hardly surprising that the lick spittles of the corporate media, whatever. Like every time I do that, there's a chance my face freezes that way. <laughs> and I can't and I like can't take that chance. Like I would never be able to, to work again. Also, it's specific to George Will, you're not gonna beat the guy who's still doing it. Like he's eighty and still pumping out articles for the Washington Post. If you're not a subscriber, they're exactly the same as they've always been. There's not mm-hmm. like a next George Will either. I don't think that's like you know for better or worse. Like obviously we're not gonna miss his opinions about like blue jeans or the estate tax. Like when the time <laughs> comes, <laughs> the Lord calls him home. But like I am actually like way more sympathetic to that kind of like being able to understand baseball. Like like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the basically the sentiments, Jeremy's sentiments in that. I just think that like yeah, also not piffle. I say yeah, not piffle, but like also like. Don't say that shit. <laughs> like, just because it's right doesn't mean that you should be putting it out there. He does it. He does it to us, but he should be careful. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. Uh, Far lefty Lucy says, "Which relics of baseball history would I need to assemble to become the undisputable supreme leader of baseball?" So, like, what's what's our reliquary gonna be? I already kind of blew my wad earlier, and I realized it right after I said it when I talked about the ball that hit Keith Olbermann's mom in the head. Um, But I do want that. I do think that that should go in there. Uh, So you know the gif of the Yankee fans after, I think it's maybe after the Jeffrey Meyer home run, but I'm not sure what it is, where they're all doing different things. John Boyce did a post on it. The Yankees fan dot gif one? Yeah, one of the guys. What it is is they're taunting Nelson Cruz after he dropped a ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and the one guy is just sort of like, oh, I forgot, I catch, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. in the beginning. So what you need is, like, one item of flair from each of those guys. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I think I got to go with uh, uh, a more personal one. Uh, I think, like, if you've ever been, like, nicked by a sword, it holds some special value for you. And I was hit by a foul ball and then didn't get to keep the ball. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was like a Wellington Casio over the home plate pop-up, and uh, it... I had no natural reaction. It just let it fall and hit me, and it rolled off, and some kid got it. <laughs> and if I could have that back, I think that would give me some pow- some of the power that was sucked out in that like mid twenty seventeen forgettable game back. Did you not see it coming, or were you just kind of oh, like, I if saw this is how I go? So be it. Like... <laughs> and I, I I grew up in New Orleans. I had the Mardi Gras instinct to catch stuff coming at me, and yep. nothing. It just did not activate. That's and a it tough hit, one. I... It hit my stomach and just rolled off. You know, I've never been near a foul ball. Uh, and I've been near? sitting. No, I mean, uh, when I was a kid, there was one that was like near enough by that I heard it land, but it was like in the next section. I was, I did go to a game once with uh, some friends and a ball at Yankee Stadium and a ball hit the lower deck hard enough that it just like popped up into my friend's lap. Like it just basically landed oh, like in her popcorn yeah. more or less. Yeah. But it was like, I still wasn't very close to it. Like I didn't have a play mm-hmm. on that ball. Uh, I caught a foul ball, a foul ball at the Metrodome when I was like nine. Like Hell had my yeah. glove there and like yeah. caught a foul ball. When I was a kid, a can't a remember who catcher backup catcher threw me a ball before a game, which was nice. Oh, and that cool. one I did I did catch successfully, but it was like a that's I mean I don't think that's the same. You know I think you have the clout to do a ride along with Zach Campbell if you're willing to go there. <laughs> oh. No, that's another one of those like in like. That's too dark. Don't do yeah. it. That's that's like a Kurt Schilling scenario. He's not as bad as Schilling. Like I know he's corny, but like he's not. Let's be honest. He's not well, as no, bad no. as Schilling. I don't want to say like yeah, he's like probably a Nazi like Schilling. I was is, gonna say but... I think we need to figure out where the bar is here. That, like, but he but he absolutely sucks. I do not want to hang out with Zach Hampel oh. under like any circumstances though. Especially because it's like the thing he does. Like if you didn't know who he was and he was like yeah, like I got this ball. Like I remember catching this one or whatever. Like until you start telling too many of those stories, I'm like cool. Cool. Cool story. I like it. Do you have another one? Cool. Like, but then like if there's a thousand of them and like a number of them are like, I had to truck a kid, but like, yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> Teoscar Hernandez hit that. Like, no. <laughs> like at that point, like, like yeah, I have literal that. barrels full of foul balls or home run balls. Like, that's the, you're you're a pathetic man at yeah, that point. Like for what reason? Like just so other people don't have them? Like that's I don't know. <laughs> why why climb Everest? Because it's there. Yeah, I was going to say. A.K. Lingus says. Um, hey, Tony. Yeah, this is this is directed to Roth uh, directly. Uh, it says, if he had to label a current player as 
big wet player as he did our former president, who would it be? This is a good question. Uh, like, like Bumgarner seemed weirdly drier against the Mets that I'm used to seeing. Well, he's in Arizona. The giant. Yeah, yeah zero percent humidity. It's a dry that. heat. Yeah. yeah. Like, even if you tried, like, Brandon Crawford's hair gets really frizzy there. Somehow. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all the juice just cooks right out of it. The I'm trying to think, like, the reliably, like, so Bumgarner's been super-duper wet for a long time. Brandon Crawford, uh, crazy wet. I, the one that I always give as an example is uh, it's Clay Buckholes, but he's, like, even though he pitched in, like, 2019 somehow, uh, he just hasn't, he's not around anymore. But he was always the guy that looked like he had just been, like, pushed off a shrimp boat in a scuffle of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, like, really the, the wettest of any. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, the real, like, I worry that the sort of the tide is going out on that. Because there's not as many, like, wet position yeah. player dudes. Like, like obviously, like, Peak Giambi is long gone. Uh, but, yeah, I'd hate to see that, that style go away because it's really one of the, the ones that's, like, kind of unique to like baseball dirtbaggery. Like there's not a lot of yeah. like you know, one of the things that I've like one of my theories about baseball for a while, um, and just just this just came to me is that um or like the to talk about it in this context just came to me is that um when it comes to white pitchers, they exist on a continuum and on one side of it is like a uh, super Christian guy and on the other side of it is Timothy Leary. Yeah. And like I think we need and we've been getting less and less Timothy Leary. Yeah. As the years have gone on, I think we need to like we need to move that Overton window further to the Timothy Leary side and I think then we'll get more wet baseball players. Yeah. There's fewer like I think that that's where like losing Dustin May for an extended period of time. Like he's not he's not like, wet. A, he's not a wet guy, but he's also <laughs> like I mean the I think Craig Goldstein comparing him to Waluigi is 100% the last word on that one. <laughs> but like he's just fucking weird, you know? And like that's I'd rather there be like a gangly guy in tight pants who's always like, "Wow!" every time somebody bunts. Like I far <laughs> prefer that to like all these guys that look like pro golfers, you know? And there's way more of that sort of coming up. I was surprised that the Diamondbacks bullpen didn't have more dirtbags in it. It used to be a reliable source for like they just have one guy that looked like Dennis Franz or something like that that would come in and pitch. <laughs> yeah. Although the bullpen was just like a nice young man. Ever since they cut out Archie Bradley, uh, and he was the last one with any real character at all, and even then his characters were just like a big beard. It's been yeah. kind of grim. Now it's like Kevin Ginkle. It's like there, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, I was. I got to see him pitch a little bit. The, the gink was there, uh, but I was not, <laughs> was not... I expected something funkier and weirder. He was just like a bullpen guy. Given the name, you'd expect him to be like a side armor who throws like 83, but no, he's just like a yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah, it was disappointing. Like, that, I think that that's like mostly, like the one like critique that I actually have of the game, like it's stupid that they mess with the balls. It messes with the whole rest of the sport. Like they should know that by now. It's just like they've been messing with it in different directions. But I think that like that, like a, a diversity of like aesthetics and approaches and like teams playing different ways or whatever, I think is really important to like, the health of the game and i feel like that's kind of absent right now that there's still a yeah. little bit of that like button mashy element of it and when the players aren't hitting homers i mean and it's just like strikeouts and like what singles or whatever then like that's just 1978 or whatever like it stinks it's grim and i think really in, until we do something about velocity being like the dominant way to succeed you're never going to see like weird side armors or knuckleballers ever again and there are ways to fix that. That is a fixable problem. We can move the mound back. We can move the mound down. We can do expansion. All of those things are tangible solutions we can actually like do to rejigger what kind of pitching works in the majors. And we're just not having that conversation yet. Yeah, all of those things, especially like with expansion, just so you have a bigger pool of guys to work with, um, that will bring back the like uh, turn of the century. Like, oh, there's not cowboys anymore. Now all the weirdo uh, roamer guys play baseball. Like we yeah. need that back. Yeah, that, like, definitely, I, I don't know to what extent, like, baseball isn't, it's, that's the other thing with, like, youth baseball at this point. Like, I um, was reading The Glory of Their Times. Like, I just read little bits of it. I haven't read it all the way through. But it's, like, that's the story. It's about, like, sort of turn of the century or, like, players in the 20s and 30s sort of talking about their experience. And so many of those guys were, like, I expected to die in the anthracite mines like my dad <laughs> and everybody in my family did. Like, but, like, it turned yeah. out I was good at throwing pebbles. So, like, I signed with the, you know, whatever, 
the Canapolis steam hawks. <laughs> and then like eventually that guy turns into fucking Stan Kovaleski or whatever. We but need like, like we need guys who look like they should be a justified villain of the week to be like, <laughs> you know, the 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 lights out reliever uh, yeah. for the Royals or something. Right. But now it just seems like so many of the, like you were saying that like all this like continuum of all these like sort of like fellowship of Christian athlete dudes and stuff. It's like to make it as like an American baseball player. Like all these guys are on like fucking travel teams. They're like rich kids yeah. from the suburbs, you know, of like three or four states. And so like there's that it, like it, you can see why it flattens out. And why, like, there's, like, this sort of conflict between, like, a different, like, sort of character or approach and then all these guys who are just, like, the product of, like, the normiest norms imaginable. But, yeah, I don't know. It, even, like, honestly, like, I'll take a wet guy over, like, any of that stuff. If that's what it takes is, like, whatever the, um, like, one random dude on the Rays, like, kind of <laughs> looking like a bad guy in a Miami Vice episode. Like, sure. Like, anything will pass at this point. When we talk about like salary caps or, or salary floors, like we need to have um, a wet guy quota. Yeah, like there like, just absolutely needs to be a wet guy quota in the league. You can't just like game it by like drafting a guy from Florida and being like, you gotta like whatever, <laughs> like watch a Don't bunch. Don't you of... dare cut your hair. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Team keeping like dog the bounty hunter around like a rule five pick and never using him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, last question uh, from at Cooper Lund. Uh, and he says, from Mankato oh, to Minot, everyone in Twins territory has the same question. Why are the Twins butt? Um, and the answer for that is literally their bullpen. They are on track to have the like historically worst bullpen in uh, by like win probability added. Oh, huh. Like they're like gonna they're gonna like crush that record. <laughs> and, Jane, would you like to come to my support group? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no shit. So you guys actually do watch them then? Because like I haven't seen them that oh, much, yeah. and I know that like it seems watch like every game. I'll, a lot of the hitters are hitting, they and are. yet, like, they are not winning games at all. They've got, like, the sixth-best offense in the league, and their rotation is, like, the fifth-best rotation <laughs> or something in the league, but it's literally their bullpen has completely fallen apart. They give up, like, six... The, like, their inherited runners, like, score 60% of the time. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're like, at, they're, no, they're absolutely awful. Like if you, if you went through and, and the twins bullpen was good the last couple of years, it was yeah. really good. They were really good at finding like reclamation projects and turning them into, <laughs> into good bullpen pitchers. But, uh, they're like, they would have, they would be probably at the top of the league, at uh, the top of the division. Mm-hmm. Like literally if it wasn't for their bullpen, their bullpen has just been giving up every run. Jay still doesn't believe in the, uh, Royals. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that the Royals kind of tried in their Royalsy way. That they like went they like turned back the clock to like the like middle of the last decade Royals where they would be like, We are signing Reggie Sanders and Chuck <laughs> Knobloch and then we're yeah. fucking off until March and like and we've gotten a little bit better maybe as a result. And like that was just sort of how they would do it. And that's what they've done. They've just like signed a bunch of guys who have a World Series ring. Yeah. Which is like <laughs> that's like all they did in the off season, like, you know, we've like everybody says like oh why don't you just sign a bunch of veterans and they did it and it's been working yeah there's dumber things i mean if you you think all your pitchers are going to work out then like you just plug the holes you have and denny duffy's working out better than anybody expected yeah i still think they're gonna like wind up trading him or something like i just don't think that they're like committed but like if they can get actual value for him because he's pitching well then like good for both of them i guess who is closing for the twins is it alex colomay he was, but he has been absolutely awful, right? Yeah, like really, really terrible. And they they took him off of that to put him in lower leverage positions. Um, but like, because like the the signings that the Twins did for relievers in the off season, because they lost Tyler Clifford, Sergio Romo, Trevor May. Um, you know, like that's a good start. Uh, Matt I mean, Whistler. that's like. Yeah. yeah, so replace them with just, like, org guys and... Yeah, they replace them with Randy Dobnik on a lifetime yeah. services contract. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who, Randy Dobnik is pitching a AAA right now. Um, oh. But they got Hansel Robles and Alex Oh, Holliday. wow. I would love to um, talk more about the Hansel Robles experience. <laughs> as a Yeah, and he, start, he was terrible at the beginning, too. He's gotten a little better, but really bad. But, like, all of their other guys have who have who have been you know great in, in previous years uh like tyler duffy and um cody stashak and stuff just have not been good either like there's there's just like no way to fix this and i don't think there was any way for them to like sign anybody else better they weren't gonna get liam Hendricks. like the white Sox gave yeah. him 50 million dollars 
uh, and even all those guys that I mentioned, like they weren't going to sign Trevor May. Like <laughs> the Mets gave him fifteen million dollars for two years. Yeah, like ridiculous. Uh, Who knows how that all? I mean, he's been a good addition so far, or whatever. Those deals like never work out, or at least right. they get to the end of it, and you're like, eh, it wasn't so bad. But it's like he'd have to be very valuable and pitch in high leverage situations. I just always wonder about like. And it's that's the thing with Trevor guys? May is, is that he's uh, he's like he's he's great on paper, but the high ru- high leverage situations is when he gives up home runs. Yeah, he's looked okay so far, but again, they yeah. haven't used him as much in in those sorts of situations. And once uh, Seth Lugo gets back, I imagine it'll be even less of that. But yeah, that is it's unfortunate. I always wonder those dudes that sign like the one year two million dollar deals. The Mets never get those guys, like the Jeremy Jeffress character, right? Like, sort of things, and that like. I think there's like a higher hit rate on signings like that, like actually working out very, very well for everyone involved than there is in the like two years, 14, two years, you know, whatever, $16 million type deal. For sure. Like Tyler Clippard was like one of those and did great for the twins for two years. Yeah. He's been hurt all year this year. So it wouldn't have mattered if they'd brought him back, but yeah, I thought Clippard yeah. was like done as a major leaguer after his postseason with the Mets in 2015. Cause his back was all screwed up and they right. used him up. But he's been, like, one of the better pitchers, like, in, like, whatever, back end of bullpen guys, like, in his weird way for, like, the last four years. And I, I read that this is the first time he's ever actually been on the I.L. Yeah. Like, he's I mean, never, he's never actually been on the I.L. before. That's He'll the be, like, classic but, Mets you know. experience is, like, the adding to that sort of technicality thing where they're like, well, he's, <laughs> he can stand up. So we thought he could pitch the eighth <laughs> in game five of the <laughs> World Series. But yeah. Yeah, no, the the Twins are but uh, exclusively because of their bullpen. Like it really is, and there's I don't I don't see any way for them to to really fix it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's what we got for questions there. Roth, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for, for having me. by. Love I'm this. Glad- Love it whenever we have you on here. It's always yeah. a pleasure. I'm glad to do it, and I am glad to see you all flourishing uh, with your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's been very fun. Uh, yeah, and keep an eye out for for your piece on uh, the Mets being weird, I guess. That I might not just, right. maybe this is what I needed. Like, I can just delete it now. I just needed to, like, <laughs> yell at some people that aren't, like, married to me about it and be like, all right, yeah. done. Thank you. We're happy to be that for you anytime. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I owe you guys a lot. We'll need your Mets update toward the end of the season. Yeah, see, I'm going to wind up, like, reaching out to you to be like, I'm having a hard time. Can I come on and cry for 55 minutes? Anytime, Roth. Yeah. Anytime. Uh, I would love that. Uh, and a running, you know, theme of this podcast so far this season has just been talking about the NL East and how fucking weird and chaotic it is. Yeah, like I don't think that's that's not going away. The NL East <laughs> fan on this podcast is the one that wants to talk about the NL East the least. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's no uh it's kind of like frustrating. But it is nice to explain to people that are like, what uh, would you say is happening there? Because it seems <laughs> it seems bad. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Thank Rob. Yep. Thanks, Thank Stephen you. and uh, Lauren. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks,